Hello there and a very warm welcome to Des's Island Discs. In a hectic world, this is a little oasis of calm and nostalgia from our guests who choose pieces of music that remind them of a particular time or story from their life or career. Now, if you're listening on podcast, we cannot play the music because of copyright laws. But really, this is about stories. So let's hear them. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. Hello there. My name is Des Cahill and today's visitor to the island is a Corkman who has a hectic life now as RTE's Washington correspondent. It's a pleasure to welcome Brian O'Donovan. So, Brian, you're in our homes every night of the week and you're a very busy man. What's your background? So I grew up in Cork, a place called Farron, which is outside Ballincollig, not far from Cork City. Mom and dad are still down there and I have uh, one sister, two brothers. They're scattered all over the place, a bit like myself. Grew up in Cork, uh, went to college in DCU, Dublin City University, where I did communication. Started in local radio in Cork and Red FM. Uh, then worked for TV3 for 10 years and I've been an RTE now for, my goodness me, is it about five years, coming on six years. And I've been out here in the States since the start of 2018, covering a very, very busy and unusual time right now in US politics. Yeah, and, and doing it very well, may I add. But but go back to, you, you don't have a, a strong Cork accent. I suppose I don't know and people say that to me where's the cork twang yeah. uh, I don't know that wasn't intentional I'm not trying to hide anything I think do you know I did like a lot of people did years ago speech and drama was a big thing in school in the 1980s and oh. I did that with a wonderful teacher called Martina Ring and we used to do a lot of pronunciation and poetry and performances and that kind of thing and I was always interested in that side of life and performance and being on stage and all that kind of thing. And that's what got me into the, the broadcasting and the, the desire to be on uh, TV and radio. And then news sort of found me. The first job I went for, Red FM, this radio station in Cork was launching and there was two jobs being advertised, weekend newsreader and weekend DJ. And I applied for both. Yeah. And I got the weekend newsreader gig and I didn't get the weekend yeah. DJ gig. And that was where the path took me back when I was uh, in, my, in my late teens and early 20s. So had I got the DJ gig, who knows, Des? Yeah, but anyway, I ended up going down the news route. <laughs> and when you came to college in Dublin... How did you find that? Love that too. So I, DCU, as you probably know, is a great communications, great media department there. They had all the studios, the cameras, the radio equipment, and I absolutely loved it. And it was, I was very happy there. And then, of course, they have all these extracurricular things of the Media Production Society, and they had the DCU TV, DCU FM. So you had your radio station, you had your college TV station, got heavily involved in all of that for the three years. And then my part time job as a newsreader was on weekends while I was still in college. So it was always very media focused, really, I suppose. Made some great friends in college that I'm still friendly with to this day. My wife would have been my then girlfriend back then, Joanna. She was actually in UCC studying politics. So we had a bit of a long distance thing going on for a couple of years, but we stayed together and have uh, remained together ever since. Oh, it's, it's handy she's into politics as well, given your job, isn't it? Yeah, she's a news junkie too, which is great. So when I have to say, Donald Trump, as you probably know, has returned to these nightly, lengthy coronavirus yes. press briefings that are on about five or six o'clock in the evening, our time, which I have to watch, obviously, for work. And that's the time you're sitting down with the family yeah. <laughs> with the remote control. So I have to turn to Joanna and say, do you mind if you watch? Absolutely. She says no problem mm. at all. She's into it too, and she understands it. And that helps in this gig, as you well know, it can be a dominating, it can take up a lot of your life. Indeed. So if your partner in crime is as into it as you are, it certainly does help. 
help. Yeah, absolutely. Where, where did you meet Joanna? Uh, Irish College, Ballyferreter. We <laughs> were in the Gael Tucked together. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So she's Crosshaven. And I'm from, uh, as I say, far and yeah. outside Banning College. So we were both in Ballyferreter and Kerry in the Gaeltucht and we met uh, the year, kind of summer before leaving cert year. It's a hell of a tribute to the Irish College. I don't know what your Irish is like, but if you found a wife there, it was money well spent by your parents. Exactly, yeah. exactly definitely, exactly. Well, that was the two sides of the <laughs> Irish College experience, wasn't it? Is yeah. to get the Gaelga up and also maybe meet somebody. So yeah. I ticked one box anyway. Don't know about the Gaelga, but uh, <laughs> certainly, uh, yeah, yeah, that, the, the the other side went very, very well for me. And and Brian, your first musical choice is from your childhood. Yeah, so I went with Chris Christopherson's Silver Tongued Devil. And you might be thinking, why on earth are you choosing this 1970s, 1980s country ballad? Chris Christopherson, my dad was a huge fan of Chris Christopherson. And I think he had the one tape that was played and played and played over and over again. And I remember he had one of these big silver... 80s ghetto blasters and we used to bring it with us on holidays and we his, he's from he's from a beautiful part of the world dad's from Artfield outside Clonakilty and West Cork oh, yeah. close to the sea close mm. to the Red Strand yes beautiful and his family home unfortunately it's gone now it's, it, it's, it's in ruins but his family home certainly in the 80s was this very lovely old two story farmhouse overlooking the sea we'd go down there for our holidays for weeks on end and of course you know in the childhood memory it was beautiful sunshine every day yeah. but I remember at night he would play his Chris Christopherson tape. And you know the way I'm, it just, it's, 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 as they say, an earworm. It goes into your brain then because you're hearing it every night. And I forever will associate Chris Christopherson with those lovely holidays, those lovely summer. And we, of course, me and my siblings, we laugh now because we were small children then, obviously, and we would be singing along to some of these <laughs> lyrics. And as you probably know, lots yeah. of Chris Christopherson yeah. songs are about smoking yeah. and drinking yeah. and meeting girls and going to bars. And there's one, you know, uh, wishing Lord that I was stoned. <laughs> We'd yeah. be singing this as kids, you know, yeah. not really fully understanding the words. Now we listen back to it going, my God, that was some music to be introduced to in our childhood. But yeah, very, very fond memories of happy summer days down in West Cork listening to the music of Chris Christopherson. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. That's Silver Tongue Devil and Chris Christopherson, the choice of today's guest, RTE's Washington correspondent, Brian O'Donovan. So after your Red FM days, you were with TV3 for 10 years and you got a great grounding there, obviously. I did, and I was very fortunate in TV3. I was their business and finance correspondent right at the economic crash. So... We all remember what that was like. You took a certain phone call from a certain <laughs> governor of the central bank. Right. I remember. Yeah. And it was a huge, you remember, like, it was huge news, Des. Like, mm. it was, it was, I know we say coronavirus is massive, Donald Trump is massive. But at the time in Ireland, 2008, 2009, 2010, the bailout, the IMF, the collapse of the economy. Like, it was an unbelievable, huge story to be covering at the time. And I was very privileged and lucky to be doing that from uh, TV3 as their business and finance correspondent. You know, there's those memorable getting a call late at night saying they're nationalising Anglo-Irish Bank, get in here quick, in you go. Or getting a call saying they're taking down the Anglo-Irish Bank sign. Remember that iconic moment where they started pulling the letters? You know, so it was a terrible time for the country. So many people lost their jobs. So many bad things happened. But from a journalistic perspective, it was a very exciting time. It was a very big story to be covering. And I think it gave me a very good grounding, as you say, yes, in covering some of the, the... the sort of the craziness and the madness that's happening here in the US right now. And were you a general reporter as well as before you became the yeah. business? Yeah, exactly. So I was. I started there in 2005 and for the first, uh, I would say, four or five years, I was general 
general reporter, yeah, covering everything, mm-hmm. um, crime, sport. I went out to, uh, t- you, you'll have to correct me on my dates here. TV3 had the rights, I want to say, was it the 2007 Rugby World Cup in France? Yeah. So I was sent out to cover the fan reaction in Bordeaux, which was fantastic. I mean, that was a great opportunity as well to be able to do that. I mean, that's the great thing about being a generalist. They sent you off to do everything, you know? Yeah. And I loved that. And actually, that was nearly one of my song choices, but it wasn't. Which? The, the team at the time, the Irish team, one of the songs they used to always play was Elbow. Um, you know, oh, uh, yeah. One Day Like This A Year yeah. Will we'll yeah. See Me Fun, which is a great tune. And actually, I, I very much I remember loving that song and was sort of a, a, a song of that summer. And it was a song of that time. Uh, and I have since actually become a huge Elbow fan. And I, I listen to all their music and I've been to lots of their gigs. Um, it's just as well, but, Brian, because that, that's about 11 minutes long as well. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's OK. Des. I thought you were going to be saying, why didn't he pick that one? That's better than this other rubbish uh-huh. that he's chosen. <laughs> but no, I, actually, one of the reasons I didn't pick that one was, I, I'm afraid, there the story ends. I don't have a huge more to add to that but certainly on uh, it, that was a fabulous time 2007 covering all of that and then also being a general reporter you get sent to the most random of things so I got sent to the election of Pope Francis in the Vatican which was absolutely fantastic to cover mm. as well and you're standing there in St Peter's Square waiting for the white smoke literally that term yeah. that's where it comes from waiting for the white smoke and it came on a rainy Wednesday night and this cheer erupted and then you're, you're busy for the week then covering uh, the election of a new pope which was of course a huge a huge news story as well so I've been very privileged I've been very lucky I know it's a bit of a cliche that journalists say all the time but you really do in this job get a front row seat on history yeah. and I've been very very lucky to watch it all unfold but for say a story like that and you're waiting for the white smoke and the white smoke isn't necessarily going to come half an hour before one of your bulletins and your deadlines uh, and people sometimes don't realise the stress of that the reporter and cameraman have Absolutely and I, I, I always come back to my Vatican experience actually because it's not like any other news story I've ever covered really because you know what it's like you go to a sports press conference you can talk to a press officer beforehand what time is going to be happening Grant what time am I going to be out here Grant am I going to get in time for the 6 o'clock news the 9 o'clock news fine you couldn't do that with that particular story and I remember up <clears throat> going into the press office of the Vatican which was staffed by priests who are the press officers in the Vatican and I went up to one of them and I said hi father I'm from Irish TV you know my, my bulletin goes out at 5.30 in the evening do you think we'll have any white smoke by then <laughs> he sort of rolled his eyes and I said well you know have, have you any indication of, you know, when do you think we're going to get and he said whenever the Holy Spirit tells them and actually the white smoke story we just come off air it was a little bit unfortunate in the end yeah. the Holy Spirit didn't do us any huge favours with our deadline that night but anyway we got it out later on in the night which was fine we had missed one particular bulletin but we, we, we got it out in time for the next one but yeah and I don't as you say I don't think people realise the whole deadline thing, you know, like your, your, your life as a broadcast journalist is very much punctuated by deadlines. Mm. So for me, it's Morning Ireland. I record Morning Ireland at, at, at 1 a.m. my time, which then goes out at 6, they record it back in Ireland at 6 a.m. and then it goes out at 7 a.m. As the, as the programme goes on air. And then, of course, the 6 o'clock news and the 9 o'clock news are the other two big deadlines of the day. And then with the time difference, you're constantly factoring that in. So, I mean, it plays well in some regards. So the 6 is 1 p.m. my time and the 9 is 4 but then as which is nice so you're sort yeah. of done with your telly stuff by 4 or 5 in the evening but then your radio stuff kicks into action kind of later on that night at, at midnight 1 a.m. that sort of territory Brian your second musical choice you got you going old school again Paul Simon yeah this is old school again similar reasoning to so so dad was the big Chris Christopherson fan mom was the big Paul Simon Simon and Garfunkel fan would play that music a lot so it's very much 
ingrained in my mind. Again, kind of happy memories of childhood. Mom had an old white Fiat 127 that had a, a <laughs> tape player in it. And I think the one tape again she had was a best of Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> but, you know, you hear the music all the time. So it's lovely then. And I associate it very fondly with very happy memories. And actually, that music has kind of started to mean a lot to me since I moved over here to the U.S., in general, the music of Simon and Garfunkel, so many of the songs are about America, you know, and they have that yeah. wonderful song, um, All Bound, come, you know, we, we All Look to Come for America, and they talk about, uh, 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 you know, they're hitchhiking across Saginaw and uh, New Jersey Turnpike counting cars. So you hear all these place names, you hear all these references to America, and then you yourself visit these places, and, you know, they have a big re- relevance to you. And then Graceland starts with the lovely lyric Mississippi Delta shining like a national guitar and we went to Memphis Tennessee on our holidays back in February before the lockdowns we drove it's 13 hours from DC to Tennessee and my wife and I shared the driving and we did it in a day we drove down 13 hours went to Memphis visited Graceland visited Elvis's home which was a Fantastic experience. Got to see Memphis, got to see Nashville. We took the girls to the Grand Old Opry. And the whole way then, like, to get them into the mood, and I suppose it comes back to my wonderful memories of having music introduced to me by my parents. We want to sort of pass it on to the girls as well. So we were playing Simon and Garfunkel. We were playing Paul Simon's Graceland. We were playing Elvis because we were going to Graceland. And then at the Grand Old Opry, uh, my 10-year-old daughter, Lucy, really took a shine to one of the more younger country artists that was performing that night, a woman called Cam. And she bought her CD since and she always listens to that. So that's what we hope, that we can pass on that lovely gift of music that we got from our parents onto our kids and hopefully they'll they'll have fond memories to follow but yeah uh, Paul Simon's Graceland was definitely being played in the car as we approached the gates of Graceland and uh, and did the tour of Elvis's house that's very special Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1 that's Graceland from Paul Simon the choice of today's guest RTE's Washington correspondent Brian O'Donovan so Brian you're in RTE and you get the gig as Washington correspondent, a huge and one of the most prestigious jobs here in RT. But you have a young family. That was, there was a lot to take on board there, wasn't there for you? There was, yeah. And that was the big question as well. So professionally, as you say, it's the, one of the best gigs, I think, in the RT newsroom. It's the big profile. It's so busy. I had no idea how busy it would be and how unusual it would be because you, I knew I'd be dealing with Donald Trump and all his eccentricities and controversies. I didn't know, obviously, that I'd also be dealing with the global pandemic, which of course has been a huge story here as well, and the racial unrest. So that's the professional side. And then, yeah, the family side. So back then, my girls would only have been, goodness, let me work this out, I suppose, seven and four, Lucy and Aaron. Fortunately, as I mentioned at the start, my wife, Joanna, a news junkie as well. She's a primary school teacher, is her profession, yeah. but she definitely loves the news. She loved the idea of travel. She loved the adventure. She was extremely encouraging of me to even apply for the Washington gig. It wasn't even a case of, oh, what do we think, you know, toing and froing. She was like, you have to go for this. I think it'll be a great adventure. It'll be a great life. I suppose we're fortunate in that because she's in the teaching profession, she was able to pause her career, take a sabbatical for a couple of years and come out here and do this with me. Not everybody has that opportunity, you know, depending yeah. if you were working in the private sector or a certain job. That's a bigger question for a family. And then the big question for the girls was schooling. So we found a nice part of Washington that had a good school. They were in school, obviously, like the rest of the world up until March. Now it's very much moved to homeschooling like the rest of the world. 
again fortunate that Joanna's a teacher so she can sort of pitch in and help them with the homeschooling but they've been they've been very happy here and they've made really good friends here they very much enjoyed their time in America they have enjoyed going to school here and it's not a huge amount of time it's a four-year posting and we're here almost three years so we just have a year left a mm. year and a bit is all we have left and the way RTE structure it is lovely you get the election and inauguration one more year and then you're gone and then your successor will get uh, three years of a president an election and then one year of either a new president or a re-elected president so it's a nice cross you yeah. either get two presidents or you get a re-elected so I will either get a, a, a year of Joe Biden or another year of Donald Trump depending on how the election goes in November okay <laughs> and are you allowed to express <laughs> which, a choice which one will it be <laughs> I won't express a choice what I will say is I'm not writing Donald Trump off you're probably reading all the headlines that Joe was way ahead in the opinion polls Actually, in recent days, that that little lead in the, the the lead in the opinion polls has been has been has been narrowed slightly, and and don't write Donald Trump off. What I've been struck by Des here, and a lot of people talk about this, when you drive around, we took a little road trip there a couple of weeks back, Pennsylvania, rural Pennsylvania, upstate New York, parts of Michigan. You'll see a lot of Donald Trump posters, signs in people's yards, flags waving. You won't see as much Biden. I know that's not scientific and, you know, but there is an enthusiasm gap and the Trump campaign always talks about, oh yeah, yeah, I know Biden's ahead in the polls, but there's no enthusiasm. Everybody's enthusiastic about Donald Trump and they are right in one way. If you're a Donald Trump supporter, my goodness me, you're going to shout it from the rooftops. And the other side of that is that they say there's a lot of shy Donald Trump supporters that won't put up the poster <laughs> and they won't tell the pollster they're going to vote for him, but they still love the guy and they will vote for him. Come November. Yeah, and and say for the seven-year-old, I would I would have been nervous. Will they adapt? I know they're very probably very adaptable, but you say she settled in no bother at all. Yeah, and we were nervous about that too because that's of an age. Yeah, like it's not a teenager. I think a teenager. I don't know would we have done this because I think that would have been a big uprooting, you know, mm. uh, take away from the friends and maybe even a boyfriend or whatever might have been going on in a teenager's life. Even at seven, we were thinking, okay, is, you know, but absolutely, she settled in so quickly. Like, we're so pleased with them. We're so proud of them that this big uprooting, this big change, they made friends so fast. We were very lucky with the road we live on. There's a lot of kids, our girls age, the school friends, they became friends very quickly. And I think that was very, very important. Um, and they've loved their time here. And they've got little accents, Des. You get the accent so quickly when they're kids, you know? They have the little American twang going on, the little Americanisms. I get corrected now when I say, put it in the boot of the car. It's the trunk, Dad. <laughs> I said, it won't be when you move back to Lucan next year. <laughs> and, and was it easy for yourself and Joanna make friends? Americans, as everybody says, you know, would be very out there and friendly and you know they talk about the Irish being very very friendly and that is absolutely true and 100,000 welcomes and you know Cade Mila Fortune and all, and all that and we, we Irish are but I think there's a slight difference and I've said this to people an Irish person if a new person moves into the neighbourhood will say I must have you over some night for a cup of tea or I must have you over some night for a drink but of course it might never happen yeah. in America when we arrived it was like you are coming to my house tomorrow at 5pm for a glass of wine it's like oh alright oh, okay you know they're a bit more forward and a bit more out there and a bit more this is the plan this is what we're doing so that when you're the newbie in the street, in the town, in the school, it helps. They sort of just, you know, the, 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 there's no faff about it. It's just like, you're coming over and we're doing this and you're coming to a barbecue and it's on tomorrow and you're like, oh, okay, good. So it's been, again, we've been very lucky in that regard. Yeah. So I suppose I think social life-wise and friend Wise, I would nearly split it on the middle in that we've had lovely neighbours and the the, the the parents of the girls' school friends, we get on very, very well with them and we've had some wonderful nights in our neighbourhood here in Washington. And then the other side would be the Irish Embassy and the Irish 
community in Washington is tight. It's not a huge Irish community. The Irish Embassy are great at organising events. Now, of course, they're all virtual events, but pre-COVID, lots of events. And you would meet lots of other Irish people. So we have made lots of good friends in that regard as well, be they diplomats or fellow journalists or people who are working out here. And you're struck. Wow, we're a great country. We punch above our weight. I interviewed a guy recently. He's really high up in the U.S. Department of Defense researching a COVID vaccine. And he's from Galway, uh, Dr. Joyce, a fascinating guy. There's all these senior people in the IMF and the World Bank. You know, we do punch above our weight. I interviewed another woman. She was an engineer in NASA. Fabulous woman. You meet these most amazing people. As was DC is good then from that regard, because the likes of these guys working for the Pentagon or working for NASA, they tend to be based in a city like DC. So yeah, we've made some really good friends and met some fascinating people since we moved over here. That Washington community you've mentioned probably leads us neatly to the final musical choice, Brian O'Donovan. Yeah, so I've, I've, as you said, I've kept it very old school, Des. This, this is pretty old school as well. So I'm going to go with uh, Raglan Road being sung by Luke Kelly. The reason I went with this, I was always into sort of the Irish folk music, um, the Dubliners. Again, I'm like a broken record here. Mom and dad used to play the Dubliners when we were growing up, so I suppose that gets into your brain. And then I kind of took with it and ran with it. And a friend of mine from Dublin used to, to always say to me, he says, he'd be out to me saying, you know, you, you cultures, you know, you know how I know you're a culture? He says, you drink milk with your dinner and you start singing songs at the end of the night. <laughs> that was his take on what a culture was. And, you know, guilty on both counts. So I was always a fan of the sing song at the end of the night. And what has happened when we moved over here to the US, as I mentioned, there's been lots of these Irish gatherings. The Irish Embassy is great for the cultural events. And sure enough, on often is the night, it will descend into a bit of a sing-song at the end and we'll all have to do our little party piece and you go around the room. And in those kind of events, it's your Dubliners and it's your uh, uh, Phil Coulters and it's your classic, you know, your kind yeah. of Irish folk songs that play very well. And the Irish ambassador here in Washington, Daniel Mulhall, is great for the cultural events, the cultural gatherings. He's extremely into poetry. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter. He tweets a poem every day. He will read a poem. He? often by an Irish poet and he will tweet it every day so we sort of had a little duet going there for a while where I, I, I would sing a song at the end of a night but I wouldn't maybe be the best on the words but because Raglan Road of course was a poem yeah. originally by Patrick Kavanagh before it got turned into a song by the Dubliners he would know all the words so he would sort of <laughs> help me out with the words yeah. I, exactly and I would do the singing so it sort of merged the poetry and the uh, and the singing but it's a beautiful beautiful I mean, song know, absolutely. Oh, it's absolutely beautiful yeah. and it's so beautifully written yeah. um, you know and it's funny <laughs> to come full circle I suppose I think of Chris Christopherson and you know chatting up girls and getting <laughs> drunk in bars whereas you know poor Paddy Kavanagh was about watching this woman from afar and uh, uh, you know and, and thinking about this, this wonderful woman that he saw one day on Raglan Road and it's just a, a beautiful beautiful song and a beautiful piece of music indeed that song was also the choice of Mary O'Rourke on this programme and, and uh, she lived that time she remembered watching him going down Raglan Road uh, at the time etc anyway it's a beautiful choice and it's a great way to finish Brian I'm delighted the move to Washington has been so successful for you professionally and for your family it sounds fabulous we're all jealous but look thank you very much for joining us on the programme and what a lovely way to play out with Raglan Road and Luke Kelly thank you so much Brian O'Donovan Thank you, Des. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1.